Precious Holy Ghost, we are here. We ask that you open our eyes to see wondrous truths from your word. We receive the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation. That our eyes are opened, enlightened to see all the riches that you have in store for us. We see Jesus clearly. We are transformed by your truth. We will return to give you all the praise for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, and amen. Glory to God. All right, this is the first Wednesday in the month of October, but happens to be the part four of our conversation, Armed for Glory. I know that a lot has happened between the last one and today, so we're going to do a very quick recap, and we're going to get into the Word. I want to encourage you, we can't say this enough, find a way to revisit the teachings. You will be amazed at what you thought you heard only to realize that you did not hear it, all right? So I want to encourage you, Armed for Glory is going to bless you. Part one, part two, the belt of truth. Part three, the breastplate of righteousness. Part four today as we go into God's word. So I want you to get your Bibles, your notepads ready as we dive into God's word. Our anchor text has been Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, I read from verse 11 to verse 14. It says, and do this, knowing that the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Verse 12. It says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. A new season beckons. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Somebody say the armor of light. Hmm. It says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, which are the predominant orders of the day. It says, not in strife and in envy. Verse 14, maybe we should read verse 14 together again. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's try that again together. Verse 14, it says, but put on on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Being armed for glory is putting on the arm of light. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've touched two pieces already. We're going to the third piece today out of seven. Put on the Lord. The focus is the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to verse 13 is our second anchor scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to verse 13. I can see someone trying to settle down. We are diving into the word. Please find your space and get into that posture that demonstrates a readiness to receive. Ephesians chapter 6, from verse 10 to verse 13. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He encourages us again, put on the whole armor, be decked up completely, be fully armed for glory. It says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We'll come to this in the final installment, the wiles. Hmm. 
It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It says, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. What he's saying is not an attempt to elevate the devil or to show you how powerful the kingdom of darkness is. Hear me, hear me, hear me. And I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to say this once, and if the Lord permits us, we're going to have an opportunity to dive in. Any, any teaching on spiritual warfare, that ends with the power the devil has is, 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 is an imposter who has just done a job for the adversary. The true power of the gospel is that having told you what you are stacked up against, then there is a re-emphasizing of who you are and where you stand. And this is the way the Holy Ghost said it to me and I'm just going to say it to you. Any organogram that shows the hierarchy in the spiritual world. For those of you who are very interested in learning demonology, and there is a, there is a biblical light, light way, L-I-G-H-T, to learn it, and there is the curious dark way of interest in the demonic. All right? Any organogram of the supernatural world, any organogram that does not end with Jesus on top is a fake, is a fake one. They corrupt, they corrupt it. They corrupt it when you see powers, rulers, tiny demons, territorial spirits, spiritual wickedness, high places. At the top of, just continue. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to doubt your, your, your stratification or your class. You, you just continue demarcating. Thank God for your wisdom. Thank God for your revelation. And at the end of it is the prince of the air, Lucifer. If that is where your, your organogram stops then you, you've cropped out the secret for your victory. Because at the top of it, Christ has been made. Glory to Jesus. Boy, let, let's stay on track. I just needed someone to be assured. The child of God has no basis for fear at all. Wherefore, take unto you the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, he encourages you, encourages me to stand. Mm. So quick recap in the part one, which was an introduction. We said the gospel is simple, but it's not simplistic. And if you want to get, get into the details of the implication of that, it's, it's, it has a lot of implications. We said it is dangerous to be incompletely or improperly dressed. Don't just pick a few pieces don't just pick a few pieces. Be completely decked up. The, the, hear me. The definition of God's strong army is where everyone is fully decked up. Not one helmet, naked. Breastplate, deficient in the rest. That is not how God's synergy works. It is a solid, strong army. Everyone fully decked. Advancing and taking position, ready to withstand. Glory to God. And I see God raising that army in us, with us, and in our midst. In the name of Jesus, I see you accepting the responsibility of army, waking up in the fullness of all that you carry, bringing heaven's glory over all of these things, trying to question and to validate the, 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 the veracity of what you claim. God is raising us. I said God is raising us as his end time glorious army in the name of Jesus. 
And the third thing we learned in part one was having done all to stand, you shall stand. We broke that down. Um, please do not just assume um, that you remember all of these things. From the part two, we began to break down the individual components of the armor and we laid the format out. We talked about putting off, we talked about putting on, we talked about putting away. If these things are sounding like last year to you, <laughs> then it means you need to revisit. You need to revisit. And the format we've been using and that we will still use this evening is what is the piece? What component are we discussing? We've discussed the belt of truth. We've discussed the breastplate of righteousness. The next thing is, is it protective? Is it defensive or is it offensive as a tool for attack? All right? And the next thing is, if protective, what, what organ does it protect? And this is not biology class. In the two previous parts, we've, we've by revelation, uncovered the, the implications in the realm of the spirit. We said what happens if it is not worn, and the last piece of the puzzle is, what is the revelation of this? What is the revelation of this? And then in um, part two, we talked about the belt of truth. We said it was protective, regards the loins. If it is not worn, there is shame. There is no productivity. We talked about the seat, the internal house of, of productive power. All right? And we talked about drag. There will be an inability to run fast. Because for you to achieve divine speed, there is going to be the need for a girding of your loins so that you can travel fast by the speed of the Holy Ghost. And we said that truth is not a body of facts. That truth is not a system of information. That truth is not a degree from a theological seminary. Glory to God for the ability to learn all of this. But that truth really is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Your eye is enlightened by the Spirit to discern. He says this is, this is going to be the confidence that will prevent shame in the believer. If you are going to be one who is bold, confident, courageous, one who is honorably standing, no shame... There is no fear of shame, all right? You need to ensure that you are intactly, intactly fortified with the revelation of the person of Jesus. If you are going to bear much fruit, you are going to have to abide. We said there will be no productivity. There will be impotence if the belt is not worn. And we said it's not just about holding the piece. You, it says you, you gird it. You, you, you wear it tightly. So that you can get ready. The hand of the Lord comes upon you and you're able to outrun by the Spirit having girded your loins. Glory to God. And in part three, we said about the breastplate of righteousness. This is another protective piece. It guards your heart. Guard your heart. With all diligence, guard your heart. And then the, the organs of ventilation. We talked about prayer and we talked about convictions in the heart. And we said, if you are not intact about a revelation of righteousness, your prayers will be ineffective and powerless. You will never believe that God should answer you. You will live in fatal unbelief. If you cannot sort it out, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. The enemy will make a big mockery of you. It will bring out proof and proof upon proof. But if you have your breastplate intact, you are just smiling. You are just smiling. This is dead on arrival. You have lost already. I am boldly standing here. I come by the blood. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is therefore no condemnation. I am standing justified. 
I just need to move on to part four. And we said the revelation of this peace is that you, the believer in Christ Jesus, is the righteousness of God. The believer, the believer is the righteousness. So God sees you. It is true that our own righteousness is as filthy rags. That's true. But that's not what I have right now. I have seized from my works. I have entered into his rest. When God sees me now, he sees Christ Jesus because I am in him by faith. Somebody say glory to God. Uh, are you ready for the third piece? Are you sure you're ready? Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Ghost. Thank you. Thank you. I see. Uh, all right. Well, let him just prove it. Let him prove it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Let's read all the way to verse 15 as we pick the next piece in the believer's armor. So that you and I are sufficiently, fully decked up and armed for glory. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6. Boy, we are going to be blessed this evening. No doubt. No doubt. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We've talked about the belt of truth, tightly worn, being a revelation of Jesus. Having put on, strapped on, nothing should be able to take it off. Fully strapped on. You don't take it off in the days of confidence and the days where you are struggling and are tripping. The enemy convinces you to take it off. No. It says, having put on fully well strapped the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, which is where we are this evening. And having shod laces tied your feet with the preparation. The root Greek word there actually means a readiness. It's a posture of I'm just waiting for the signal. The readiness of the gospel of peace. The readiness of the gospel of peace. Ah, boy. The readiness of the gospel of peace. So that is the next piece we'll be unveiling by the help of the Spirit this evening. Let me read Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 to us in another version. I will read three versions different from the new king james which we just read please stay with us this evening don't just assume that you understand everything we're about to talk about please open your heart open your heart i want to personally encourage you in the new living translation it says your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace fitted was it in part three the last time we were together we talked about the need for protective equipment in a construction site. The need for proper shoes, safety boots, we call them in this part of the world. If you were to wear flip-flops to a construction site, immediately you, you know you are joking. But we said that the, 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 the scenario that Paul is describing here, and I believe the Spirit of God emphasizing to us, is not, we are not, we've not been invited to life's construction site. We're at war. It's a battlefront. And whenever you look at the decking of a true, true, true person on the front lines, you can look at their feet. They are not their BF. <laughs> Boy. In the Living Bible, TLB, the Living Bible, it says wear shoes <laughs> that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. 
I'm going to read that again. It says, wear shoes. Part of your decking for you to be armed for glory is that the shoes you are wearing, they are able, so you have, you have, you have, you have, pardon me now, you have pedal advantage. Your shoes are spring shoes. You know, this, this version reminds me recently of a young lady um, from the nation of Nigeria who has recently been breaking records in track and fields. I'm not sure of the, the particular sports where she has just recently broken the records. And typical Western journalism fashion. Instead of you to, to, you know, if you need to do research or to interview someone and you want to learn the secret of their success, how, you know, how did you arrive at this point? They be, I saw an article where they, they said it was the, the special shoes <laughs> she was wearing. The same shoes that anybody can buy. You know, the world just loves to just zone in and just make light of, of, of the success of a, a certain group of people. But God is raising you to the point where there is no gainsaying. Sometimes they will say it's the, it's the oxygen you are breathing. See, the Lord will give your enemies work to do. They will say it's the oxygen in your house. See, the oxygen in your house is different. You have positional. Yes, I have positional advantage. You are the one looking for explanations. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you what it is. I carry the glory of the Lord. I am empowered by his spirit. I am living by his grace. If you want to attribute it to shoe, it's fine. Say it's the oxygen. Say it's the, the, the way the place my house is located is just the right angulation to the sun. It gets the, this type of UV rays. See? <laughs> Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. I want to read one more version from the Amplified Classic. And having shod your feet, it, it also, just as we talked about the belt, you can wear a belt that is not a belt one. <laughs> it's just there. Plus you and the belt, you need, <laughs> you need wearing. In the same way, and, and parents who have to help kids with their shoes, you, you, are, you, are, you, are, you can identify with this. You want to ensure that the, the, the laces are tied. It says it is shod, properly worn, decked up. In preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability. You can see the whole idea here. They, it's, it's already showing you that there is a readiness. When that readiness is there, there is a spurring on. You are ready to go on, but there is also that stability. Nothing can shake me here. It's the gospel. I know whom I have believed. I know what I have believed. I know what I've seen. I have this, this, these things. I have handled them. It says there is a firm-footed stability. The promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Somebody say glory to God. Please, I want you this evening to open your heart to God's word. I want to encourage you this evening to open your heart to God's word. Um, the reason why I'm saying this is, is because if I was to title this evening's teaching, I would have called it the believers or the modern believers Achilles ill. Achilles ill. Now, this is not an attempt to teach Greek mythology. I don't know it. <laughs> the reason why I know this is because it's been absorbed into the English language. And many times when you hear that someone has an Achilles ill or that their Achilles ill was found, it means that they looked really fortified and strong on the outside, but we found a weak point. We found the weak link. 
we found the entry point that was not as fortified as the rest. And I want us, please, child of God, to pay attention because for many believers, it would seem that the ark is ill. For those who know the background of the story from, from dipping the, the god, the demigod, demon god, whatever, all right, into the pool of superpower, the person who did the dipping did not know about baptism. And baptizo, full immersion. So he just dipped and held onto the hill. And this guy was all powerful in every area, but there was an exposure from the hill. And when that was known, the enemy used it as a, as a means to attack. Please, child of God, get your shoes worn. Don't be the person who needs to be wound up like a, like a generator, psyched, encouraged to, 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 to have that readiness for the gospel. Boy. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7 from the Amplified. He says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. Please, the peace we are discussing is good news of peace. Good tidings. Who publishes peace? Who brings good tidings of good? How, how else? See, this is a subtle reminder that the gospel is good news. You know, I, I shared a, a story on Sunday. I think it was at the live class on Sunday about an experience I had in the public transport system back in Nigeria. You know, when someone had preached and they have the, the funds to pay. I know for a lot of you watching, uh, wondering, what do you mean funds to pay? Didn't they tap their, <laughs> their presto card? All right. And we talked about a conductor. All right. And if these are not terms you are familiar with, that is absolutely fine. I said I was going to share the second story today. So here it is, which I believe I've shared with us before. I was in a system where it was permitted for people to have discussions in the public, you know, transit system, the bus. And I sensed an urge by the spirit, preach, open your mouth and preach. I have a word for someone in this bus, open your mouth and preach. To the glory of God, I've been ready many times and I've just sometimes I even ministering and and God gives you a word of knowledge for someone and it's when you disembark someone just pulls you apart and say that thing you said I was the person can you pray with me all right to the glory of God we've seen these things and we're seeing these things happen in our days on that particular day I wasn't feeling it my my shoes were not shod my laces were not tied my readiness was not intact and while I was deba debating, okay, I will, and uh, let me settle down, let me catch my breath, in the course of my dilly-dallying, I just heard somebody with a loud voice, praise the Lord. Ah. So Holy Ghost, I'm sorry, but at least we get to hear the gospel. It was as though the Holy Spirit said, hear the gospel? Okay, hold my coffee, let's listen together and see if this is the gospel of peace. Let's listen together and see if this is the good tidings of good in the words of Isaiah 52 and verse 7 in the Amplified for those who want to write it down. It says the ones with beautiful feet are the ones bringing good tidings, publishing peace, who brings good tidings of good. How many goods have we read here? That's, that's exactly what the gospel is. It is too good news. Who publishes salvation? Who says to Zion, your God reigns? Men and brethren, sisters and sisters, when this person started, boy, my, my head sunk. No, almost said nothing about Jesus. There was no good news. 
talked about how everybody in the bus was going to hellfire, how they were going to burn, especially the ladies, ladies that wear makeup, ladies that didn't cover their hair. And he just picked on somebody in the bus who was wearing a sleeveless vest in a country that is very hot. And just said, she's, she's dressing, boy, that's, that's dressing alone. It doesn't even matter who she is. That's, look at the, the, the brother beside her. That she might not know what she has caused him, caused him to sin, boy. It was a long sermon of no gospel, no good news. No good news given. And a part of me heard clearly. He said, you were silent. You were silent. My question is, how much bad news, evil news, misrepresentation of the gospel has thrived in and around us just because of your silence just because of your of your lack of readiness you had no shoes on there was no when the spirit of god prompted there was no readiness you were saying like like kids when you say we are living now you were saying where, where are my shoes where are my where are my shoes and i pray that with words like this and beckonings hear me these are not just words this is a communication and a release of spirit and life. We are not guilting you into evangelism. You are receiving responsibility by the spirit. And you are finding yourself in his plan. My shoes are, 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 are intact, boy. All right. So we use our same format. What is the piece? Is it protective or defensive? If protective, what organ or part or portion does it protect? What happens if it is not worn? And what is the revelation of this piece? So the first question we answer is, what is this piece? It is the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Not the gospel of condemnation, not the gospel of fear, not the gospel of bondage. The gospel of peace. It is the one who publishes salvation. It is true. There is a bad news before the good news. The bad news is that we sinned. The bad news is that we were deserving of eternal damnation. The bad news is that there was no one, nothing found in all of the earth to save us. The bad news is that the law was sent with an attempt to try to fix this, 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 this gulf. All of it failed. That's the bad news. But the, but the, the, you can't preach the gospel without arriving at the good news. That good news is that Jesus has come. Boy, you don't have to suffer the consequences and pay the wages that are due for the sin. The good news is that you're going to reign and rule with him eternally. I'm not saying for a long time. Eternally. Where there is no time. Where there is no sun. Where there is no moon. Where there is no night. There is that consciousness. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. So, you find believers saying, I'm looking for power. Holy Ghost, I need power. Power. He says, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. You know, I've noticed this. I've, I've noticed by observation. If you find any man or woman of God, any believer, who is a ready conduit for the anointing to flow through, that person takes personal evangelism seriously. Go and check it. Go and check it. The power of God is not for doing magic in the sitting room. You know, you just sit down. You're, you're, you tell your child, can you get me water from the kitchen? The person doesn't want to get it. You just do like this. No, we are not, we are not X-Men. <laughs> we are righteous men. Glory to God. The power, the spirit of God working in us. If you want to see his power, go out there. Tight your shoes. Gird your, your belt with the blessed spirit of right. Go give someone some good news. 
Someone is about to, 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 to make a, a fatal decision. Someone is looking for hope. Go give them good news. Glory to God. So we said the peace is the gospel of peace. Not condemnation, not fear, not bondage. You can't leave a sermon feeling like you are done. No, you've not heard the gospel of peace. You can't leave a church service feeling like, oh my God. No, you should be living like glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I, I'm not getting what I deserved. Glory to Jesus. There's transformation by his spirit. Glory to Jesus. My sins are forgiven. Glory to Jesus. He reckons me as his righteousness. Glory to Jesus. This is the power of the gospel. It's good news. Good news. Good news. Is it protective or defensive? Your guess is as good as mine. It is protective of the feet. What does feet mean in scripture, guys? If we want to, to have a session, fit, and the spiritual implications, we can be here for, for days. But because of the brevity of our time, we'll just pick, you know, one or two. The concept here is a readiness. Somebody say readiness. Somebody say readiness. Do you know what readiness means? Readiness. I remember an old definition of success we used to hear is when opportunity meets preparation. Readiness. Readiness means that when the Spirit of God needs a voice in the earth, you are ready. You are not saying, ah, <laughs> you should have told me. You should have given me two weeks notice that there will be somebody on this train that is about to die. You should have given me two weeks notice and the Spirit of God is saying, seriously? <laughs> seriously? There's a readiness there. Readiness. We have a system at KICC, you know. Every month, at least, you have an opportunity to go with a team. With a team. A readiness. Many will give it some. Many have heard these things over and over. They are just uninterested. Readiness. Readiness. What happens if it is not worn? Boy, this is, this is, this is really where I am trusting that we can shed light and dwell on today. If you don't have your shoes worn, there will be exhaustion. Exhaustion. You will tire off and you will not be able to go far. I'm not talking about you, the person. And this is very critical. Any believer, boy, am I jumping the gun? Any believer who is not committed to the gospel, everyone is not committed to you being here. Do you understand it? If you, if you were to go to heaven right now, there is no difference. Just go and be ringing with Jesus because you are not committed to advancing the gospel. In the dispensation of grace that we are, angels are not permitted to preach this gospel. God in his infinite wisdom has entrusted it to men. There is numerous examples of that in scripture. Jesus was giving us the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And now the rich man said, please, now that I've seen that this thing is real, it's not tales by moonlight, we were forming lyrical, forming cerebral, now that I've seen these things, can you, can you please, let's send a message from here to those in the earth. Abraham said, nah, we don't do it like that. They have the law and the prophets. They have Moses. Let them, if they won't listen to the word, it's not the theatrics of it. Cornelius having an angelic encounter, the angel could have just said, well, I am here. Your alms and your memorials have risen to heaven. Therefore, repent, believe in Jesus. No. The angel said, now send for Peter. Because God in his wisdom has designed that it is men, it is humans, it is you, it is me that will preach this gospel. Now, the moment you and I say, we are not going to wear our shoes, 
and we are not interested. There is no jealousy of heaven to your longevity on the earth. I hope somebody is hearing what I am not spelling out. There are a lot of things that we can talk about to happen. I think because of our time, we'll, talk, we'll touch on two. There is no territorial authority. Territorial authority. In ancient times, one of the ways to show victory that you've conquered and you're now the one in charge is that you put the neck of the enemy under your feet. You put it under your feet. Under your feet. Was it not let God arise? There was, there was an instruction. Sincerely, I didn't tie it to this. <laughs> to stomp our feet. Boy, simple prophetic instructions that don't make human sense. And then what is the revelation of the peace? It is the good news of peace. It is the good news of peace. Please, please stay with us. Let's shed some light on some of these areas. What is this peace? It is the good news. It is the gospel. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, I read from verse 6. I marvel. This is Paul speaking. I marvel. This is chapter 1. So he's, 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 he's fresh into this letter. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Boy, if you and I can always remember that good news, the gospel means good news. Let's try it. It says, you are turning to a different good news. So let's insert good news where we see gospel. It says, which really is not another. So this is Paul saying there is no such thing as another gospel, really speaking. You are just choosing to pervert, to corrupt. It says, but really, the good news is the good news. It says, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert. They want to corrupt. They want to adapt. They want to modify. They want to, they, they want to upgrade the gospel of Christ, the real good news of peace. It says, but even if we, or an angel from heaven preach any other good news to you than what we have already preached to you. It says, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. You know, this is really, this, 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 this repetition is, is spiritual emphasis. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let that person be accursed. The gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. The gospel, the good news of peace. And he says that this thing, this armor is a readiness. Your shoes, he says you've, you've, worn, you've worn shoes, fitting shoes. I remember, um, I think I've shared this story with us too a while back. In KICC was a time during my housemanship, I believe. You know, we had a, what, what they call a little bit of change. And if you don't know what change is, I'm not talking about change of change. I'm talking of, you know, a little bit of, of cash flow. Let's put it that way. And I, I was, you know, just trying to get nice shoes for myself. You know, you've earned this. You know, you know when you're telling yourself, you've earned this. Nice shoes. And then I saw these shoes, boy, I can picture the shoes even now. Amazingly solid shoes. And I asked them, what size is this? And they said the size. It was one size one unit below my size and the person selling it said just try it on try it on <laughs> just it will it will fit it will fit and then I, I put my feet in it and I knew that this is disaster but it looked good it looked good 
So the guy convinced me. I said, can you find my size? He said, well, this is the last one. If you like it, you have to take it. Guys, I bought it. I did not factor in the, <laughs> the war front when I was making the choice of my shoes. My, oh, my. You will, you will start with ward rounds in the morning. You run to the labs, pick results, go to the blood bank, get blood, go to your patients, ensure they are fine, go to the ward rounds, you go and discuss, go to the... the to, it's, it's, it's that, and I was moving in my beautiful <laughs> but pain-causing shoes. It was, I think the last time I shared this, we were, we were on the scripture that says, all that is good and perfect. It was a good shoe. It was not perfect for me. The challenge many believers have today is what's in my notes. I've called, I said, do you have readiness? Or do you have analysis paralysis? For those who don't know what analysis paralysis is, before you embark on an endeavor, it is good to count the costs. It is good to plan. It is good to prepare. But also there is such a thing as over planning. In a way that you end up doing nothing. That's the concept in the world that is called analysis paralysis. You've calculated everything. If I open my mouth, what if I said good morning? What if somebody who knows me at work is here? What if I lose my strict credibility? What if I don't know the Greek word? What if I don't know the Hebrew of salvation? What if somebody who studied soteriology is here? What if, what if, what if I pray for them and nothing happens? What if the word of knowledge, there's no such person like that in? What if many believers don't have their, their shoes shod with the readiness? Readiness. The Spirit of God is saying, it's on me. It's on me. When I say lay hands, it's on me. When I give a word, it's on me. It's my integrity at stake, not yours. Many of us need to get our ego and our pride out of the way and give him that readiness. God is looking for ready vessels. And I have examples here. Two examples from Scripture of your unlikely evangelists that know they, they had never been to church. They've never attended Bible study. You know more Bible than them. You know more Greek than them. You know more Hebrew than them. But they were ready. Are you ready? Or are you still doing analysis, analysis paralysis? Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read very quickly. Mark chapter 5 from verse 2 to verse 8. It says, And when he had come out of the boat, immediately they met him. Boy, there's light here already. Immediately, they met him out of the tombs, a man. Can you see something here? Boy, should like just quickly say this? All right. Every time there is a partnership between a human vessel and a supernatural sponsor, there is a character, a feature, a characteristic a, there is something in that human vessel that the spirit's sponsor can latch on and exploit. Now, if it's one of the Ds from those who joined us for Eyes the Sea, there is the divine and the demonic. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than all of the beasts of the earth. The characteristic available for a supernatural force to use was cunningness. Because I'm seeing one of the first things we are told about this man is that immediately, so this guy was an immediately kind of guy. And the legion of demons had found that, and they said we are going to immediately destroy his destiny. 
It says immediately, they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, guys, it's good to read scriptures with compassion. Imagine having no power of the gospel. Even look at your own life. Where will you be without the gospel? I wonder how do people live life? How do you, live, how do, you do life without Jesus? How do you run things without the help of the Holy Spirit? It was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. As far as the enemy was concerned, this guy's destiny was on lockdown. He says, but when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran, he worshipped him. He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Boy, can I jump to verse 18 because of our time? You know the story of how the demons negotiated, got into the swine. Verse 18, and when he got into the boat, who is he now? Jesus did all of this, you know, defeated the storms just to get here now. Yeah, now did the, the work of the gospel. Now Jesus is going back into the boat. It says, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. I want to go about Jesus with you. I want to learn more. I'm using this figuratively now. I, I need more training. I know there is an immediately grace that I carry. It's a grace for readiness. But I, I want to go more. I want to follow you. I want to see more miracles. I want to see more signs and wonders. I want to learn more Greek. I want to know more how to dissect the Bible. I want to know about the law. I want to know more about the prophets. I want to know about the New Testament. I want to study epistology. I want to know eschatology and all the big logies. Mm -hmm. Verse 19. However, Jesus did not permit him. He said to him, go home. Go home to your friends. The grace of readiness you carry. Don't anal analysis paralyze it. Hey, bad French. <laughs> it says, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. You don't worry about the Greek for salvation. You tell them what the Lord has done. Ensure it is the gospel of peace. Ensure it is the good news of good tidings. Glory to God. You just tell them the great things the Lord has done for you. How he has had compassion on you. Verse 20 is where many believers don't take action. It says, and he departed. Can you see the immediately grace that this guy carried that the enemy wanted to truncate? And he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalist. Ten cities. All that Jesus had done for him. No Bible school training. He says, and all marvel. His life was the testimony. I pray for someone under the sound of my voice. Your giftings and the graces you carry will no longer be available for the enemy to use. In the mighty name of Jesus. Every time you meet a child of God who is a gossip a backbiter, a slanderer. What you are seeing is someone who has yielded their graces and their gifts of readiness and they've made it available for the devil. Some people are great conversation starters. Have you heard? Have you heard? Do you know? 
in the body of Christ. You, you, you've submitted that gift at the altar of, of, of demons and they are using you on, and you don't know. You are wondering why your life is not advancing. You've submitted your gifts for slander, creating lies, things that don't exist. Boy, let's stay on the word. This guy went to 10 cities, no Bible school training, 10 cities. Now, now, now we are going to see, we are going to see in the next example. The gospel is good news. Having received the gospel, there's going to be a need for maturity. All right? But you don't, 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 don't overanalyze, overparalyze. The second example, I'm sure many of you saw this coming. You know, for many months at the Kerenat Fellowship, this has been the, the subject. Sometimes you even think you are learning too much. But you will be shocked when the knowledge comes useful and handy. John chapter 4 and verse 39, I believe many, many of us are familiar with the story of the woman at the well. The, the, the woman who had an, an interesting past in terms of fidelity issues and ability to have one home and one husband. Not your kind of person, even if she was a perfectly moral person. Just being a Samaritan alone excluded her from the commonwealth of the kind of person Jesus should be having a conversation with. However, there was a grace and a gifting that this woman carried that the enemy was exploiting. John chapter 4 and verse 39. Somebody say readiness, readiness, readiness. That's what we are dwelling on. There's, a, there's something about the feet. It's readiness. You are ready. When the Holy Spirit says go now, speak now. It's your team this Saturday. Are you ready? Are you ready? Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, believed in Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified. In quotes now, he told me all that I ever did. That was a story. I might not know the Greek or the Hebrew for it. I might not know who wrote the book of Ruth, or I, I, I might not be able to tell you who David's mother was. I might not be able to answer some technical, technical, supotenic, technical questions. I might not know who or what the Sanhedrin is yet because I myself will submit to discipleship and to growth. But I'm not going to wait for graduation before I start being a ready vessel. Please, we are not saying don't grow, don't mature. I am saying that if you have received the gospel, then you already have the gospel to share. Verse 40. Please pay attention. So when the Samaritans had come to him, to Jesus, so there was an evangelist doing the work, telling and testifying about Jesus. The people came themselves to him. They urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, I'm on verse 42, not because of what you said, you were the, you were the, you were the clarion caller, you were the announcer, you were the publisher of peace, you were the one who sounded the alarms and introduced us to the gospel, but now we've seen Jesus. It says we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. This is really where the Acts chapter 8 Samaritan revival started. A woman, an unlikely vessel, who went out with the word. I pray for you that the grace for readiness, readiness, readiness to be a ready vessel for the Spirit of God to publish this good news, good news. Don't, 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 don't just allow things to slip near you. Sometimes... Someone is so much in the value of decision, they are the ones that start the conversation. And they just say something like, 
Isn't it depressing the way the world is going? And you look at them, yeah, indeed, it can be very depressing. But I know a source of hope that is not connected to anything the government says or cannot say. What are you talking about? You started a conversation. There is a readiness there that the Spirit of God has found to use. So what is this peace? It is the gospel of peace. It is the good news, the publishing of salvation. It is not the gospel of condemnation. It does not produce fear. It does not produce bondage. It protects the feet. There is a provision for readiness, a, a, an equipping, a, a, an assurance of the spirit that we have a man there. We have, we have a man there. Imagine them sending to Joppa to fetch Peter to the house of Cornelius. Even though he had his ideological resistance, he was ready with the gospel. There was still that readiness there. Now, please, if you've not been paying attention, I need you right now to please, please adjust your seats. Antennas up. What happens, if I can rephrase this, what is the risk of a believer who is not committed to evangelism? That, unfortunately, is where a large chunk of today's believers are. It's, I've now been born again. They, they had another gospel. God now exists for me. He exists for me. I am his boss. I give him instructions. He does my bidding. So therefore, everything and anything I want, he must do it. That's the gospel they, they have received. So they feel no obligation, no commitment. That the love I have received, I have a responsibility to share it. The forgiveness I have received, I have a responsibility to spread it. How, how will you feel? Let's use something material. I've used this example before. Something very material. How will you feel? There's a new... Because these this teachings will remain for, for years, I don't want to, to, to tie, or tie us up to brands. I was going to say there's a new, for those who use the Apple phones, and someone might be listening to this 10 years down the line and, and be saying, oh, is that what they had back then? But imagine you walked into a store and that store says that for every one unit you pick, we'll give you five on us, it's on the house. That is good news. And imagine you, just, you have a friend visiting and the friend just sees you, you know, in everything. Just and says, what's going on here? Why are you, why are you wasting money? Why are you buying? All? He says, buying? I, I paid for just one. Said, I see a lot more. Where are these from? He said, the store. The store had a promo, you know. How long was the promo for? It was for two days. The next question that person will ask you is, why didn't you tell me? And I didn't know. You didn't know. This is, this is good news. I don't need to need it. I could sell. I mean, this is good news. It is the same way many of us, the days our friends get born again, they will, they will ask you painfully one day, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Hear me? We, we don't have forever to preach this gospel. Maybe we should sound that alarm and sound, because I said angels don't preach. There is a time <laughs> that angels will preach the gospel. Not now. Not now. We don't have forever to be the ones alone having the divine privilege to preach this gospel. Right now when we have it, and, 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 and really where we are now is what happens. Number one is exhaustion. You can't go far. I'm telling you, those believers, that everyone will find it difficult for their death, which, and we use the word death lightly, their translation. Those who are eternally committed to the gospel, boy, 
there is, a, there is a new level of jealousy that they command. A new level of jealousy that they command. Let's go to God's word. Let's go to God's word. You know, with me, as I, as I was using my illustration with my nice, good shoes that were too tight. There are some times where the, your, the shoe you are wearing determines how far you can go. There is the kind of ache, as small a body part as your brain is intact, your energy is intact, but there is just that discomfort. And you know you can't go far with this. You know you can't run with this. It's like a lady who is taking a walk from, let's say, from the church location in Mississauga. I want to take a walk all the way to square one. And you are wearing this nice looking steel, what, what do they call this? These aisles with your red soles. You know, and just, the shoe is beautiful, but it's the wrong one for the task. You, you can't wear heels for that long. It will, your, the choice of your shoes can limit how far you will go. Many believers, by their refusal to put on the shoes of the readiness for the gospel, have already said, God, I'm not part of the people you can count on to spread the gospel. So, this long life thing, you already have eternal, eternal, eternal life for me. Deuteronomy chapter 33, Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 24, boy. You know, if you put Genesis 49 versus Deuteronomy 33, you see the power of a father's blessing and you see the power of a father's blessing. Essentially prophecies, one by a biological father, one by a spiritual father. Jacob on his deathbed before he left, he says, gather you sons of Israel. Let me tell you what your days shall be, such audacity. And it begins from Reuben all the way to all his children. Moses, the servant of God, about to leave also in Deuteronomy 33, goes tribe by tribe. The curse that was released on Reuben, the spiritual father, enters into that office of a prophetic father figure. Speaks over a tribe and says, let Reuben live and not die. But today we are going to Asher. Because I believe that the conversation about the shoes and the readiness is talking about an Asher generation of person. If you look at what Jacob said about Asher in Genesis 49, and if you look at what Moses says about Asher in Deuteronomy 33, you can see in the New Covenant that tribe of people. It's a tribe of persons who are committed to advancing the gospel. That there will be no resource we will not be able to spend. In, 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 in mission parlance, we talk of the givers, the groaners, and the goers. Those are the ushers of this world who have said there is no amount too expensive for the gospel. There is no prayer too, 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 too much for the gospel. There is no going. There is no, unless he does not instruct us to go. If he instructs us to go, there is a readiness to go. Verse 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 33. And of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. My sons, my children committed to evangelism are most dear to me. I am paraphrasing. It says, let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot or his feet, depending on the version you are reading, in oil. Boy. Was it not Abraham when he was entertaining angels that he said, please come in, refresh. In Bible days, refreshing didn't just mean come and take a shower. It also meant that we had to wash your feet. Why? Because they were, the, the dusty Middle East sands will tire off and make you look all. It says, let's, ref, let's, let's come and refresh. 
It says, but there is a, glory to Jesus, there is a tribe that they don't wash in water, they wash in oil. That is talking about the dimension of prosperity that will advance the gospel. It says his feet is dipped in oil, verse 25, which is really where we are going. It says, your sandals shall be iron and bronze. This looks like a secure footwear to me. It says, and as your days, so shall your strength be. You know, we use this a lot to pray for people on their birthdays. As your days, so shall your strength be. It means as you are growing older, you won't grow weaker. <laughs> Look at someone like Pastor Matthew at 70 plus. <laughs> I'll never forget when he was preaching on the altar. Even the altar felt it. He preached like a 16-year-old firebrand at 70 plus. As your days, so shall your strength be. Because there is a heart commitment to advancing the gospel at every cost. Your sandal shall be iron and bronze. It says that you will go far. If you are committed to the gospel, you will go far. You will go far. Everyone will, will ensure. It says you are, you are endangered species. We, don't have, we have a lot of, of, of kingdom beggars. We don't have a lot of kingdom goers. As your days, so shall your strength be. And I lay my hands on someone under the sound of my voice that the readiness to be a dependable, trustworthy tool in the hand of the Spirit for the publishing and the announcing of this gospel, it comes mightily on you. In the name of Jesus, the oil that you dip your feet in, the bronze, the iron, the strength that will guarantee your longevity, prevent exhaustion, ensure that you're around to go far for his glory. They are around to go far for his glory. Yeah, that living proof that Jesus is alive, that grace rests upon us. In the mighty name of Jesus. So when it is not worn, there is exhaustion. You tire out. You can't go far. Even if you, are, you naturally have energy. It's, it's just, I can't go on with these shoes. I need to change. I need to change these shoes. Everyone will say, it might just be time to come home. You've not been committed to our agenda in the earth. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 23. I read just a couple of scriptures that shows that territorial authority is under defeat. I'm going to say that again. Territorial authority is under defeat. Territorial spiritual warfare is advanced by advancing the gospel under the feet, beautiful feet, going to the cities, going to the homes, going to the malls, going to places to preach the gospel. Boy. Because people who should be going are binding things. And there is the, there is the, there is the place of that. But we see, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Boy. Deuteronomy chapter 11, I read from verse 23. It says, then the Lord, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you and you shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. It says, every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. Boy, I remember something my wife shared. I think she shared this publicly at the stewards meeting or in one of the services. In one of the first days we were going for evangelism, it just looked like, oh well, we hope people are going to interact with these things. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her. He said, yes, there is the giving of the gospel by you being here, but there's also something about your feet touching this ground. He says, I'm giving you these things. I'm giving you this land. I'm giving you this city. You are committed to my gospel. I am, I am giving you territorial authority. 
Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours from the wilderness and Lebanon and from the river. The river Euphrates, even unto the utmost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you for the Lord your God, for the Lord your God, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, even as he has said unto you. Uh, just because we've been reading Isaiah 60 every day, I'm going to pick verse 14 from Isaiah 60. It says, the sons also of them that afflicted thee. Does this sound like spiritual warfare? It says, they will come bending unto you. Another version says, they will come and bow the knee to you. It says, all they that despised you, they will bow themselves at the soles of your feet and they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Advancing the gospel is the way the believer wields territorial authority. Where we are tipping the favor, what is the percentage of Christians and believers in this city? What is the percentage of Christians and believers, spirits carrying, tongue firing believers in this nation? That, that is, it, it, boy, I'm praying somebody will receive a commissioning from heaven tonight. And you will accept responsibility without analysis paralysis. There's a message in my mouth. It's powerful enough. It might be that Jesus was in recently at one of our pastor's prayer meetings that, you know, PJ reminded us of how even our own senior pastor got born again. He was a tract, a tract on the floor, published in Edmonton, somehow found itself in the southwestern part of Nigeria in a, in a semi-drunken state, picked a tract. If the instruction is just go share the tracts, if the instruction is make a post, you don't know who is going to read it. There is that readiness there. No analysis, but no, uh, nobody liked it. It, it. Nobody liked it does not mean nobody saw it. And nobody watches my videos. It's just two views. Do you know what two souls are? Two views? That's a lot. One view? Are you, are you looking for, for salvation or popularity? Because one view is enough. Joshua chapter 10 and verse 24, as we begin to wrap up this evening, I trust that someone has been blessed so far. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings. So what are those kings? Joshua chapter 9 is the popular chapter on the Gibeonite deception. But Israel had gotten into a covenant with them. Signed a pact that was sealed in eternity. You know, some people came to Joshua and said, they deceived us. The, the covenant can hold. The covenant assumed that they were telling the truth. Joshua said, well, it's not like that in the realm of the spirit. We've agreed, we've agreed. What we should have done is we should have calibrated first. All right, someone will remember what that means <laughs> from Sunday service. Glory to God! So, Joshua chapter 10, five kings, five kings, terrible, offensive attack. You know, there's a big spiritual mystery here. The Bible tells us that the greatest, one of the greatest demonstrations of supernatural power under the instruction of a man came, came in this account, Joshua chapter 10. Joshua was, Joshua was, was taking territories, stomping the feet, stomping the feet, taking territories, five kings, it doesn't matter. And he just saw that the sun was setting. There was, there was an audacity that came upon him. And he spoke to the sun, stay there, boy. I am telling you that it is those who are committed to advancing the gospel. You'll be able to, you'll be shocked at how much authority your words will be able to carry. 
you'll be shocked. Because our modern day celebrity, I must be the one under the lights on the stage pulpit ministry. There is a place for the raising and the discipling of the saints. But all of us have been conscripted into the ministry of reconciliation. And the power that we are meant to be wielding to the world as a sign. We just want to be playing with it in church. You, you jump up, you fall down. The great man of God levi, lev, levitates and, and levez-vous. So in verse 24 of Joshua chapter 10, And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with him, he says, come here, come here, come here, guys, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. He says, and they came near, and they put their feet upon the necks of them. This is territorial authority. And the Lord is saying that in his glorious army, his children, having secured and girded their loins with truth, having secured the breastplate of righteousness, they have their feet shod with the readiness. Readiness. They are not going to go and preach the gospel of condemnation. Readiness. They are not going to go and preach the gospel of bondage. Readiness. They are not going to go and spread and fear monger and fear monger and people are like, hey, hey, hey. No, they are going there with the gospel that you can leave a city and there is a fragrance. You can leave a room. You can leave a family. You can leave a place and please, all of you who are committed to showing up on weekends, do not, do not undermine what God is doing with your obedience. As your feet is touching those streets, those malls, those houses, as those people are coming in contact with those anointed materials, guess what? Guess what? God is, is, is bringing us into a place of territorial authority. And I pray for someone under the sound of my voice, you will not burn out, you will not tire out, exhaustion will not be your lot. Even as you are committed to advancing the gospel, you enjoy divine renewal, divine strength in the name of Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. So what is the revelation of the peace? It is the gospel. The gospel is good news. The gospel is good news. Please, if there's one thing you remember today, you can always tell if what you just heard is the gospel. Are you living feeling like you just heard something that is good? I'm not talking of, of um, tickle your ears, paint a picture of, what's that thing called? You what? There's a word for it now. A perfect world. Utopia. Utopia. I think that's it. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying deep inside you. In fact, there are some who have received the gospel. They were shedding tears. Number one, that God would love them enough. Number two is the tears of the persecution that follows the decision they're about to make. But what they still had in their heart was joy. So please, I'm not saying it's a feel-good, feel-good, um, um, tickled ears. No, I'm saying there is a joy it produces within. An assurance that, boy, I found life. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I read from verse 1 to verse 4 as we begin to tie up this evening. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, the gospel. Somebody say, the gospel. Not a gospel, not one of the gospels. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. So the gospel preached was received, it was believed, it was stood on, and then salvation was received. It says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, verse 3. 
What is the gospel? For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he goes on and on in 1 Corinthians 15 in a lengthy, in a lengthy legal defense making a case for the validity of the resurrection as the basis upon which our salvation stands. Hear me, child of God? This is the good news. You and I must preach this gospel. No analysis, paralysis, no oversized shoes, no aching tight, no, no fat. We are, we are on the war, we are on the war front. You, you don't check the color of the soles of your feet, whether it is red, so whether it, it has a brand name. You are decked up with a readiness for the gospel. When he says, just smile and tell them Jesus loves them. Just smile and give somebody an encouraging word. Just, just leave church, take a couple of tracts, four, five of them. When you are buying your coffee, just find somebody to give. There is that readiness. In conclusion, in conclusion, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. <sighs> Preaching the gospel is not the job of the evangelism department. Preaching the gospel is the job of every believer who themselves have received the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5. It says, but watch thou in all things. This is Paul speaking to his son. Now, the beauty of this verse is that Paul operated in the office of an apostle. We have a teaching from School of the Spirits where we talked about offices. And I'm sensing that the Lord would have us talk about it again. The difference between gifts, graces, offices. Alright? I'm sensing that the Lord is, is, is beckoning that there is need to touch it again. Paul sat in the office of an apostle. He was speaking to his son, Timothy, who was in the office of a pastor. And listen to what an apostle, I'm talking about office now, not titles. Listen to what he says. He says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. From an apostle to a pastor. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. This is, this is instructive. He's saying that no ministry will achieve its full potential if you don't have people committed to doing the work of an evangelist. And God blesses me, and I believe God is raising them amongst us. You know, somebody comes to church for the first time, hears the word. He says, boy, is this what these people enjoy here? Maybe, maybe the pastor just preached the nice sermon today. Goes to the last previous week. Here's a powerful sermon. Goes to the previous week. It was not even the pastor that preached. It was one of the other pastors. It was the pastor's wife. It was one of the leaders. It was even one of the youth leaders. Boy, you guys are keeping this to yourself and the person becomes mad enough to ensure that there is no other day that there is an empty chair. Do the work. If you are going to make full proof of any ministry, we must do the work. The pastor of one of the largest churches in the world today still does evangelism. At that point, you know it is no longer about numbers. It's about souls. Someone like that, there's no kind of diagnosis the doctor wants to bring. Even, even <laughs> I wanted to say even himself. <laughs> oh, glory to Jesus. 
I leave us with Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. It says, go, go, help me turn to your neighbor, put it in the chat, look for someone we are watching together, tell them, go, 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 go. The word is in your mouth, the word, the message is with you. Go, go, go ye into the world, preach the gospel. It says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned, and these signs will follow them who believe in my name. They will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Help me tell your neighbor again, say, go! It says, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. I love, I am rounding up with Mark 16 verse 20. It says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. That's the last verse, the last thought in the gospel according to Mark. They went forth. My question is, will we go? They preached everywhere. Will you show up or will you look for a nice reason to, to, to miss out? The Lord working with them. It is, it is when they went that the Lord worked with them. Confirming the word with signs following. Do you have your shoes worn? Are they, are they designer fancy shoes? Or are they shoes for the battleground? Is there a readiness to advance this gospel? First and foremost, I just want you wherever you are to say thank you, Jesus, because I have found this gospel. Maybe I've kept it to myself for the larger point of time, but I'm grateful, and I'm grateful that your word has come to me. I was waiting to be a professor. I was waiting to graduate. I was waiting to listen to everything PD had preached first, but now I know that even at the current state I am, while I am committed to my growth and development, while I am subscribed to systematic discipleship, I know that your word is in my mouth and I am authorized, empowered by your spirit today to have a word that can lift another up. Thank you, gracious Father, for the gospel. Thank you for conscripting, for, 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 uh, for signing us up because we are the ones you will use and we know we will be used for a long time because we are committed to the advancement of this gospel. We give you all the praise, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Done a lot of shouting. Opened up the word. All for this moment. If you're under the sound of my voice, and you've not even received this gospel, boy, boy, I have good news for you. You don't have to die in your sins. Those things you feel, they are lies. They are lies. You don't have to end it all. There's greatness inside of you. That's the good news. That's the good news. Jesus died for you. That's the good news. Jesus paid the price. There is forgiveness. You're saying I've done terrible things. Well, most of the people we read about did even more terrible things. But they were able to find the love of God in Christ Jesus. They were able to unveil his grace and receive that good news. It was almost too good. You also today can make that decision. Let's say this prayer together. It might be your first time. Or you might be rededicating your life. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for taking my place in the grave. I believe you are alive today. And I receive the grace to live the rest of my days for you. I ask that you live in me. I ask that you live through me. And that I will live for you. I receive eternal life in my spirit. 
and I will live for your glory. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Congratulations if you just said that prayer. I want to pray with you, old man's Father, thank you for your sons and your daughters. This moment who have received the good news and it has produced life in them. I pray for a supply of your spirit, a multiplication of your grace. That where you have pulled them out from, they will not return. Instead, they will go and grow from grace to grace to grace to become mighty giants in your kingdom and for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for crisis in Canada. Thank you for waking us up to the clarion call of evangelism. We pray by extension to the body of Christ nationwide Canada, the body of Christ continent-wise North America, and by extension to the body of Christ globally, that we, we will wake up from our sleep. We will wake up. We, many of us have put off our shoes and we are no longer committed. Father, we ask that the fire for revival to advance the gospel, let it fall again on us. In the name of Jesus, now begin to take responsibility and we'll be ready vessels for you to use for your glory. We give you all the praise for in Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, if you can, wherever you are, I want you to jam those ends together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember you are a champion. God bless you.